Hi, Phil Spencer here, and this is Mortgage Insider from Barclays, the podcast series for mortgage brokers. I'm a property expert and sometime TV presenter, and every fortnight I'll use my experience to get to the heart of the biggest issues in the property sector. I'll be joined along the way by industry leaders, brokers, and indeed Barclays' own experts who'll share their insight and expertise to help you navigate the challenges, changes, and opportunities in the world of property. Well, the UK's housing market remains in a bit of a state of flux, I think it's fair to say. Interest rates are at their highest level for 15 years. House prices are going down, although, having said that, recent data from the ONS found that they'd actually gone up slightly in the 12 months to August. So it's a mixed bag, and I think it's pretty hard to see our way through at the moment. To help us put it all into perspective, I'm joined by Tom Bill, who is Head of UK Residential Research at Knight Frank. Tom, great to see you. As as I said, the property market, it's always a complicated thing, isn't it? And and there's always lots of variables and moving parts, but it feels at the moment all the parts are moving and it's it's harder than ever. Is is that fair enough? I think that is fair enough. There's a plethora of of data out there um, from various different lenders and various different official sources. Uh, There's no one UK housing market that really sums up what the market overall is doing. There are tens of thousands of housing markets across the country. Mm. Uh, And the last 12 to 18 months in particular has been a, a pretty volatile time for anyone buying selling or remortgaging. So you've had a a real mix of data and a a fairly volatile economic Mm. backdrop. But, of course, people are trying to make these big decisions, financial decisions, emotional decisions. They haven't got all the information. And and it's, it's frightening. It's frightening. Nobody likes making those big decisions in an uncertain way, but actually life goes on, doesn't it? Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. And I think for that reason, it's the uncertainty that tends to make people pull back. It's not necessarily falling prices. No one wants to buy in the falling market, but the uncertainty, uh, I think, has made people pull back. Uh, And, you know, if you rewind to last year, you had the mini budget, you had uh, a great deal of volatility around what was happening in the mortgage market. And we saw the market effectively close three three months early for Christmas. Back then, there was a relatively quick fix. The the, 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 the government changed leader, uh, mortgage rates came down, uh, and the market in the first half of this year, I think, picked up to some degree. There was a bit of a, uh, a relief rally uh, around what was happening. Mortgage rates were coming back down again. Yeah. Um, and where we are now in the final four, three or four months of this year, again, is a market that's probably a little bit more subdued than people are used to. There hasn't really been an autumn market to speak of. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think the simple reason for that is the fact that inflation has been stubbornly high over the summer. Um, The Bank of England's making all sorts of noises about rates staying higher for longer. And people are still, that that feel-good factor, that sentiment, which is a key lubricant really in the housing market, isn't really there yet. Yeah. You mentioned we don't have one housing market, we have lots of them. I wanted to ask you about how polarised that the whole market is, because it is a very regional picture. Can you talk through about how that looks north, south or London or international or prime or mainstream? Of course, I'll do my best. I mean, I think largely speaking, the south of the country or south of England, um, we're seeing 
more price for stronger price falls, I would say. So the southwest of the country is probably fair to say coming down from the highs of the pandemic when everybody was looking for more space and mm -hmm. more greenery. Um, London and the southeast, I think, are still there's still some affordability issues. And I think we talked a lot about affordability before the pandemic, uh, where we saw people leaving the capital to go and get more bang for their buck. I'm sure you know, something you're very familiar with. Mm. Uh, and I think that trend is probably picking back up again as the work-life balance uh, adjusts. Um, people are looking in perhaps formerly overlooked residential districts, perhaps areas that aren't ten, a 10-minute walk from the train station. Yeah. Uh, and so we're seeing in London, there's a bit more of an affordability squeeze. Uh, and as, we, as a result, I think prices are under more pressure. And outside of London, are you still seeing people that race for space and, and, and new areas popping up and people looking for better value further away? That's still happening? We are a bit. It's calmed right down, I think, when people were looking for the picture postcard locations in sort of the summer of 2020. It's definitely calmed back down. It's probably now blurring more into a, uh, some people who are looking to strike the right balance between the office and, and their home. People are, are buying perhaps in the country and, and retaining a place to rent in London. Okay. Uh, and more widely, I think, across the rest of the country. It's an interesting one. I think, yeah. again, London, let's rewind to the global financial crisis. London did very well in the aftermath of the, of the, of the global financial crisis, pulled away, if you like, from the rest of the country. What's tending to happen now, I think, is that we're seeing stronger price growth in, in sort of northern areas. Yeah. Uh, um, and they're, they're not catching London up, but they are, they are probably declining by less. Um, and, I, and I think that probably paints the, the regional picture. And of course, within that, you have neighbourhoods, roads, mm. the right side of the road, the wrong yeah. side of the road, and all those individual markets I'm sure you're very familiar with. Yeah. Let's ju just do a bit of a look back uh, over the last year. We have had high inflation. We've had all these interest rate rises. How are those impacting the market right now, back end of the year? I think what, what we're seeing at the moment, if you're looking at transaction volumes, you've got a market that's probably around a fifth below its capacity in terms of the mortgage approvals that are coming through in terms of just pure transaction numbers. So that's in terms of what you would normally expect to see at this time of year? Yes. Yeah, so if, if you take the five-year average, I'd say we're probably okay. down by around, the market is operating about a fifth below its capacity if you're looking okay. at the five-year average. Um, prices, it hasn't really affected, I don't think, in the same way. The numbers aren't aren't as big. Uh, I think probably for the, for the fairly simple reason that supply and demand have both um, come off a little bit. So we're not seeing, for big price falls, you need to see waves of forced selling, like we saw in the aftermath yeah. of the financial crisis, where lenders were sort of, a you know, lenders were in a different position. They're in a much stronger position, I think. Mm. Um, today, mm. there are, you know, if you look at the numbers of arrears and the repossession numbers, they're all still very low by historical standards. Uh, and so prices are coming off, you know, depending, you know, pick your index between anything from one or, you know, 6% at the moment. We're forecasting around a 7% decline across the UK um, this year. Okay, and, and that's a calendar year? Yes, so yeah. across, across okay. 2023, some markets will do better than others. Sure. Um, some markets in London, actually. London's one of the, one of the areas that's doing, uh, I mentioned the affordability squeeze, but there are some areas that are actually doing okay, some of the more prime areas, yeah. for example, um, that didn't really... You know, didn't really do very much during the pandemic, yes. and prices there didn't didn't particularly take off in the way that they did in yeah. the country house market, for example. So there's still a relative value argument, I think, in in prime areas of London that's keeping that market ticking over at the moment. Would I be right to presume that's because that very high end of the London market is driven by international money, and buying in England at the moment actually looks quite cheap for 
yes, for some people. That's a big driver, I yeah. think. During the pandemic, you, we all remember that international travel wasn't really happening. Mm. Um, flats in particular sort of fell out of favour. So areas yes. like Knightsbridge, for example, you know, were pretty subdued for two or three years. They're actually now coming yeah. back. And we saw price growth over the last 12 months in Knightsbridge. Yeah. Very minimal, but, but growth nonetheless. I read something recently. I wonder if, if you've got any thoughts on it. The values of flats was very different to what the values of houses have done right across the country. Have you seen any of that? Uh, I think what we saw, generally speaking, is that houses did very well mm. from from you know during the pandemic and and thereafter. Um, and I think that's swung back now. And I think there's you know, there's there's much less of a differential. Okay, it's, it's still there to some degree, but I think people are now much more. You know, willing to mm. to look at apartments, to look at flats. Mm. It's been you know a, a while since the last lockdown, and so I think there's a bit more. Uh, people are just a bit more agnostic. Yeah. I think now a bit more comfort out there. Um, and linked to the regional differences across the UK, can we just chat a bit about buy to let and how that whole market is faring at the moment? On paper, if you're a landlord, you're looking at the moment, and we can talk about the rental market. Rents are rising very strongly due to, due mm. to a lack of supply for all sorts of reasons. So on paper, you're looking at good yields. If you're if you're a landlord, you know re- rental value growth is going to stay strong. We think for the next, you know, for the foreseeable future. Um, uh, but at the same time, obviously, you know, buy to let mortgage rates have gone up alongside other all other mortgage mm. rates, uh, and generally speaking, there's more there's been more tax, uh, more red tape over the last ten years, and so I think what you've seen is a number of landlords leaving the sector, and that probably accelerated during the pandemic. So when we had the stamp duty holiday, for example, um, that was seen as an opportunity to to dispose of the property, uh, and I think. The result was an imbalance between um, supply and demand yeah. that pushed rents up. So on, on paper, I think landlords are looking at sort of attractive numbers in terms of yields and rental value growth, but actually in practice, it's it's become a much uh, it's become a much more hostile environment, I think, for landlords over the mm. last ten years. I, I worry because if because it is a quite a hostile environment for, for landlords and, and the tax incentives or lack of incentives. <laughs> Are even though, as you say, rents are rising. I, I get that, but interest rates are rising, and, and, and landlords have got mortgages as well. If, if landlords aren't motivated to remain being landlords, then this supply demand imbalance will get worse. In which case, rents will carry on rising. I think we're coming down from the the crazy highs that we saw during the pandemic of in, in central London, for example, twenty percent plus in over the over the over a twelve month period. I think we'll come down. And we'll st- well, I think rents will still rise, mm. but the imbalance that's there. When you're looking, for example, at the at the sales market being tough at the moment, and many first time buyers looking at mortgage rates being quite high, mm-hmm. looking at the rental option, demand feels like it's not really going to go away anytime no. soon. Um, and there's nothing really that's happening in terms of the news flow. And we have the Renters Reform Bill going through sure. um, Parliament at the moment. There's nothing that's happening around the sort of sentiment that landlords m- may be feeling that I think is going to really tip the balance um, mm. noticeably. I think we'll, I think things will calm down um, from, the, from the highs of the pandemic, but we're not going mm. to sort of – things aren't going to turn on that, no, turn on its head. No. One to watch anyway. How about new build? How does that fit into the picture? New build. Um, there's a, a lot being written and said uh, about uh, new build at the moment. It's, something actually being done. <laughs> uh, being done. That's 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 the hard part, I think. And I think because the reason that it's the hard part is that you have 
for the large part, volume PLC house build, house mm. builders that are delivering, actually yeah. delivering the houses um, for the country. And I think what's sometimes overlooked is that house builders and developers will um, build and deliver properties uh, at prices that are set by the second-hand market. Mm-hmm. Um, and those delivery rates depend on what's happening in the wider economy. The, the, the new build market... Uh, functions according to an economic cycle, not a political one. Mm. That's, I think, sometimes overlooked in terms of you know how easy it is to, to you know to bandy around numbers and to make those numbers become a reality. Sure. But but the, but I think that that economic cycle is something to be to mm. be borne in mind. And of course, we we're going to have a general election in the not too distant future. Is that going to change things? It, it, because I mean, housing is a bit politicised. Uh, it has become politicised. Yeah. Uh, I think what will happen is inflation will will keep calming down. I think mm. that's just a mathematical inevitability. Um, but annoyingly, by the time I think the economy probably does start to, to to feel a bit more stable, yes, we will have a general election. The housing market doesn't tend to like general elections. No, a, all that uncertainty you were talking about at the beginning. Yeah, there's yeah. A, they, they, it just stutters. I think yes. in, the, in the run up to to elections in particular. Um, So next year, I think we'll have a bit, we'll probably be talking, uh, we'll probably be looking more closely at what's happening in the political realm next Mm. year than the economic realm, which is something we've been focused on this year. Okay, thank you, Tom. Um, Just a couple of other points, if I can. Um, I wanted to talk about the people, there's a lot being made about people finishing up on their fixed rates and, and the impact that that will have. And I read something recently about mortgage swaps, which I wasn't familiar with. Can you just talk a little bit about both those topics? Will the the numbers of people coming off their fixed rates now or in the next couple of months, will that make a a big impact? I think it's been the difference between now, this time around and and let's say the global financial crisis. You have about 90% in recent years, 90% of of, of borrowers were on... um, fixed rate deals compared to two thirds, probably if you go back to 2008, 2009. And what a sort of uh, the the prevalence of fixed rate deals, what it does is it prevents a a, a cliff edge moment for the market. So everyone isn't rising and falling all at the same time what the the interest rates doing. So people have been, as you say, rolling off these fixed rate deals. And that has provided a degree of of insulation for what's been going on. A bit of a cushion. Yeah, so I'm not looking to forward to February 2025 personally. That's when I, uh, you know, come off my deal. <laughs> yeah. But what we'll have is it, what people will, will it'll be happening gradually. Okay. And if you look at the moment, actually, at what's happening, or, uh, the average mortgage rate that's being paid, it's still it's still not the sort of some of the scary numbers that we're hearing five, you know, six, seven percent. Yeah. The average is much is much lower because people are still on um, okay. fixed rate deals. Can I put you on the spot? Um, any idea what the average interest rate, if you look into history, what is the average interest rate? My gut feel says it's about where we are. I think, I think you're probably right. I think if you, if you, look, if you look back over, over, you know, the last 14 years has, have been the exception yes, rather completely. than the rule. And we've just got rather used to it and rather yeah. accustomed and we think money's cheap. Actually, it's not. Yeah, people, <laughs> people have been talking about the new normal for interest rates. Anybody who's over 35, it looks yeah. like the old normal. Um, which is when rates were kind of mm. currently where they are. So, yes, it's been a period where um, you know if yeah. you were if you were clever, you would have borrowed and you know done yes. the loft or done the done yes. the extension. Um, and so, yes, we're coming back to this new norm. And I think the key for the housing market next 
year is people wrapping, you know, coming to terms with the fact that this is now the new norm yeah. and rates aren't going to come down. So once the volatility yeah. uh, in the mortgage market has died down, which it, which it feels like it is, once it doesn't, once it feels like inflation has been tamed, which I think you know mm-hmm. should be perhaps early next year, uh, the key will be sentiment. I think that's when mm. people will look around and think, well, actually, this is this is what it is now. Uh, yeah. time to get on with it. And so the yeah. spring market next year. I think it'll be one to watch. Lovely. Really, really wise words. Tom, can you try and explain in, in layman's terms, and I appreciate it, it's, it's very complex, but what are, what are interest rate swaps and how do they affect brokers and, and the money markets? Sure. I mean, the swap market itself, I think, is what's happening in the background um, to the mortgage market. Interest rate swaps are when investors have a, an income stream uh, and the income stream may be floating and they want to swap it for a fixed income stream, so they have certainty of what's sort of coming through. And essentially, the swap rate is what financial markets will price... Price the price interest rates at over over a certain period. So over a, fi- a five year swap, for example, mm-hmm. will be what the what financial markets think the interest rate is going to do over a five year period. It's a slightly uh, complex uh, subject, <laughs> as you say. Deeply it's, complex. It's essentially what financial markets think interest rates are going yeah. to do over a two year or a five year or a ten year period. Okay. It allows um, investors to have certainty on on return of what you know, of their investments, and it yeah. allows lenders, mortgage lenders, to go and borrow money uh, at a fixed rate, which allows them to then yeah. in turn provide fixed rate mortgages to um, their consumers. To their consumers. Well, I'm glad you cleared that up yes. for us. <laughs> Um, how should brokers support their customers at the back end of this year? And, and what should they be keep, keeping an eye on, would you say? I, I think one thing that we've kept quite a close eye on throughout this year, and it probably just extends to everybody who's looking, interested in the housing market, is what's driving the high inflation that is in turn driving these high mortgage rates. And a lot of it has been what's happening in the, in the labour market. So ordinarily, a strong labour market is good for the housing market yeah. because you know, people have more money to spend. But actually, what, we, what we've seen is strong wage growth has been driving the core inflation, the underlying inflation figure, which that's what the Bank of England is particularly worried about. And that's why rates, I think, are keeping, you know, have kept high as they have done. Mm. And so signs that I think that the labour market is beginning to cool down is probably a, is probably a you know, worth watching. Okay. Um, wage growth calming down. I mm-hmm. think if that if those sorts of indicators start to turn more positive, then I think that that's a good sign that the Bank of England will probably feel more relaxed about okay. um, about what happens um, to rates. Okay. Have you any idea what the the, the data on labour is, is showing us at the moment? Uh, at the moment, what we're seeing is is wage growth is still quite strong, mm-hmm. uh, starting with a six. Uh, it's now finally outpacing uh, inflation, which is something it didn't do for a long time. So okay. that might, people might start to feel that a little bit in their pocket. But the main point is that it's it's coming down, but coming down very slowly. Mm. Every month, people are uh, on the edge of their seat waiting for, to see what the, labor's, what, what the wage growth is going to be, what core inflation is going to be. Mm. And over the last three or four months, it's tended to be, you know, Either flat or just come down, coming down by a very small amount. So there's that feeling that it's not, it's coming down, but mm. just sort of painfully slowly, yep. and it'll t- it'll take a while for for it to sort of come through. Tom, great to see you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. That was Tom Bill, head of UK residential research at Knight Frank. And just to point out, we recorded this episode on the 24th of October before the autumn statement and the latest Bank of England base rate decision. 
The views expressed by external guests in this podcast are their opinions only and do not necessarily reflect the views of Barclays. Thanks for listening to Mortgage Insider. I'm Phil Spencer, and this has been a Fresh Air production for Barclays. Please rate, review and follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.